You're listening to Massive Debate UK with Eric Swineblade. Hello and welcome to Massive Debate UK with me, Eric Swineblade. And to kick things off, we're talking about Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old Swedish activist who's been causing quite the stir in the papers of late. But we want to know what you think. Is Greta Thunberg a force for good or is she being exploited? And do we really need to be listening to the adults in the room on this issue? Let us know what you think. Give us a call on 0345 333. And to kick us off, we've got a Christine from Blexley Heath on the line. Christine, what do you think about Greta? I just think no, ma- no matter what you do, just say it with a smile. Because it's like I, what I like about kids is that they're always smiling and stuff and like being silly. I'm just like, tell a joke. So you're saying, you know, Greta's message is positive, but the way she's doing it, i.e. screaming, shouting, crying, moaning, whining, is actually putting people off. And you think maybe just turn it around, be more upbeat. Well, no, I don't think her message is a good thing. It's really getting me down. And uh, do you have any children, Christine? Or yeah. And, and what, what are the, what are their thoughts on the environment? Are they worried? Are they scared? Um, they're in the other room. So. I'm- Oi! Put it down. And but have you have you had conversations with these children about what's happening? No. Do you plan to have any conversations with them? I just think you can get too close, can't you? That's true. Well, uh, thank you very much, Christine. An interesting call there. You know, may- Maybe we are getting too close to our children. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe we need to put some more boundaries up. So we've got Mitch on the line from Gunnersbury. Mitch, you're all for Greta. You think uh, she's doing the right thing? Jesus Christ. Mahatma Gandhi. Honestly, Greta Thornburg. You genuinely place Greta Thornburg up there with Jesus Christ? I, genuine, I genuinely do, yeah. I think if, you, if you would allow me... Just no, please go ahead. Moment. I mean, I'm interested to see what comparisons you've drawn between one of the most famous prophets ever to have lived and... Uh... Well, I don't think she's the most famous prophet. Uh, yes, and, I'm not um, talking I, about I Greta, think, um, though, am I? I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi... Is, is it fair to place the weight of humanity's survival on the shoulders of a 16-year-old autistic child? We put a lot of pressure on Prince George. Well, Prince George can barely speak, and he's certainly not standing in front of the UN, is he? Daniel Radcliffe was a young boy with yeah, a lot of pressure on his Mitch. shoulders. He seemed to manage to. He yes, Mitch. Well, Dan- well, 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 rather well-managed young Mitch. man. Daniel Radcliffe was an alcoholic. He's come out about that. He's told everybody. He's been in rehab for about five years. Anyway, thanks for your call, Mitch. And we've got Ashley Kent on the line from Holloway. Ashley, what are your thoughts on Greta? Yeah. So you're saying what you think she's proposing is actually a little bit misguided then, in your opinion? I'm just saying that like, these policies that she's proposing of like, you know, getting rid of cars and aeroplanes and like, everybody travelling about on the pigs, do you know what I mean? That ain't going to work. I ain't never going to be riding no pig down Oxford Street, you get me? I ain't never going to travel on the back of a pig nowhere, but I ain't doing well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure most of us would rather walk than ride on the back of an animal, but it is something we did for a long time and uh, nobody had a problem with it back then. It seems to me like the big question really is, is the mental health of our children a worthy sacrifice for the health of the planet, given what little scientific evidence we can agree on. Give us a call. Is it a sacrifice worth making? We've got a Cashy on the line from Kensington. Cashy, what do you think? I mean, look. <laughs> are you okay there? You sound like you're um, in a bit of trouble there. Are you We're right? going to literally sacrifice Greta, but... Um... <laughs> you... Metaphorically. Okay, actually, well, well, I'm afraid we've got a problem with the line there or something. And we've got um, Lily from Peckham on the line. Lily, what do you think about Greta? What are your thoughts? Hey, hey, Eric. Um, yeah, I just think that that, like, yellow jacket she wears is just... I don't know who's, like, putting her campaign together, but it's just... On well, the we can way. definitely take a look into that for you. I mean, but how has Greta changed the way you live your life? I mean, I love, like, her sort of no-makeup, like, braid look. I've started doing that. 
um, and like the rosy mm. like, tears in your eyes at all times. I just think that it is a look for. You know, I mean, is is, is she the face of a generation? Pigtails, tears. Is that really where we're all? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Pigtails and tears. I love that. Well, there you have it. Pigtails and tears. Next year's look. Get on board. Thank you very much to Lily there from Peckham. Anyway, after the break, after two more stabbings in London, when will the madness end? We are asking the question. What can be done to solve the knife crime epidemic? And why are so many young people carrying knives? What can be done? Give us a call 08345 6060 and we'll speak to you after the break. You're listening to Massive Debate UK with Eric Swineblade. Knife crime. What is the solution to this knife epidemic? Uh, we've got a second time caller on the line. Um, Eddie Cottrell from North London. Hi, Eric. Yeah, it is my second, yeah, um, second time. Second time getting through. So, Eddie, what what do you think is the solution to the current knife epidemic? I mean, what could you have to add to the discussion? Well, uh, I just thought I'd ring in to let you know that I've been carrying a knife myself for six weeks now, and it has um, really changed my perspective on the issue. Okay, Eddie. So you've been you've been carrying a knife. I've been carrying a eight, eight inch butcher's blade. Yeah. Right. So it's above the legal limits. Are you not concerned for any legal ramifications here? Walking around with an offensive weapon that doesn't bother you in any way. Uh, concerned with the legal ramifications of what I'm doing than I am with um, being uh, you know stabbed in the neck so you're, you're doing this out of fear are you for your own safety yeah yes that's right Eric and you live in not what North London one of the worst parts of this whole problem I see um, so uh, do you feel unsafe walking around the streets of leafy North London well Islington is 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 a rather threatening area because of course you know the rich and the poor are all lumped together and um, we have what they want. I'm just going to stop you there. So you're, what you're saying is you're walking around Islington carrying a knife. Carrying, uh, a, carrying an eight-inch uh, butcher's blade. So you're breaking the law. Are you prepared to use that knife on somebody else? Is well, that what you're saying? I, I, I suppose what I'm saying is, yes, I am, if that person so chooses to behave in a way that allows me to do it morally. Um, okay, example, so here's a scenario. There's a, a, a young man has walked up to you. He's got, he's got a knife, and he's saying, give me your phone, give me your wallet, or I'm going to stab you. Now, you, you have a, what, a nine-inch butcher's blade what under your, in your pants? Um, it's eight inches, but, but I'll, allow, I'll allow you to describe it as nine. And so, what are you gonna, so tell, walk me through what happens next. Well, it's not in my pants, you see. It's, it protrudes, the handle protrudes just um, um, through the zip of my backpack. So I put my hands, slip, what I would do, I practice this in the, in the mirror at home. I would slowly put my hands in the air. And they, they would slowly... Have you seen the film Die Hard? Yes, I've seen the film Die Hard, yeah. I wouldn't stab initially. I would just threaten. I mean, Eddie, don't you, don't you think that you should be setting an example? I mean, what is it you do? What's your job? Um, I work as a peripatetic guitar teacher. Do you not see how you are endangering the lives Absol of your students? Absolutely not. And, I re and I, I'm sorry, Eric. I, I, I enjoy your show. I resent that. Well, I resent you carrying um, a knife, Eddie. I carry, of course, my 8-inch Japanese butcher's blade in my bag. I would never use it on a student. I'd never even get it out, <sighs> other than in situations where there is a threat. Eddie, please. Um, what happens when that knife, for example, is exposed, the child in question who you're teaching guitar to sees that, that you're carrying a knife, What's, what's, he, what's he going to walk away from that with? What kind of lessons are you going to get from that? Let me paint a situation for you. Let's say I'm, you know, we're waiting outside of um, uh, Andrew Dawson's uh, um, drum class to finish. And we hear scuffling. We hear screams. There's a knife. There's a knife. There's a knife. 
Panic. We stop in the top left corner of the building. There's not a fire escape. What do we do? In normal circumstances, we'd be stabbed. But I've got an eight-inch Japanese butcher's blade in my bag. Who's the idiot now? Uh, Eddie, I, I, I do see where you're coming from. It's the same kind of argument we're getting from uh, the, the States about gun control and guns in schools. Very disappointing. Anyway, thank you very much, Eddie. And we've got Gary on the line from Epping. Gary, what do you think the solution is here? So I'm, like, I'm a personal defence instructor, right? Right. And I'm training a lot of people, more and more people now, mm. in how to defend themselves against knife attacks, right? It's worrying. Yeah. No, a black belt, 10 years, been, been teaching a long time. Okay. Now, what's happening here, the solution we need is to channel that violent energy, that anger, into a constructive, disciplined force. Mm. Or use that force to go and kill the uh, kill the ISIS right. over in uh, Syria or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Get them over there. Use the energy correctly. Channel that yang, channel that yin, to destroy the enemy, whoever that enemy might be. You know, today it's ISIS, right? Well, ISIS have been defeated now. Right, well, you know, it might be uh, Germany in a few years. Do you know what, I'm, do you know what, I'm, what I'm saying is, let's re-channel mm. that energy, let's reform it, and use it in a positive way. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, thanks a lot for that, Gary. I don't think we'll be fighting another war with Germany anytime soon, but uh, nonetheless, we're moving on. After the break, we're going to be talking about sex ed in schools. There have been calls from various activist organisations to lower the age of sex ed to six years old and start talking about things in very frank terms. Is six simply too young? Have we lost our way? Give us a call. 03456060 You're listening to Massive Debate UK with Eric Swineblade. And today we're talking about sex ed in schools. Are we perhaps a little bit repressed these days when it comes to the human body and our sexuality? Uh, my question to you is, you know, do we need to get real and let slip the dogs of war when it comes to sex ed? We've got uh, Ian on the line from Norfolk. Ian, what do you think about this? Well, I was just thinking about how... Um how strange it is, you know, that we see constantly inundated on television with, um, you know, vaginas and boobies and penises and bums and buttocks and all the rest of it, right. you know, on yeah. programs like Channel 4's Naked Attraction, which is absolutely degenerate as far as I'm concerned. Okay. But um, isn't it funny, isn't it ironic how even, even those brandishing all of these uh, body parts around in this, uh, you know, uh, utopian, uh, you know, uh, celebration of uh, sexual liberation are still, for some reason, you know, very, very wary about showing the um, erect phallus. And uh, well, it still seems as though the, the ultimate, uh, the real ultimate... Taboo. Uh, uh, taboo, taboo yeah. uh, in, on, on television now is still the erect Would you like penis. to see more erect penises on, on TV, Ian? I, be I genuinely believe, not because I support it, but I think if you're going to show the rest of them, please right. will somebody show us an erect penis. I think we'll all be better for it, and I think, I think there's a real hypocrisy there. That's the point I'm trying to make. Well, thank you very much for your point, Ian, and uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, thank you for your call, and uh, yes, please do keep calling in 0345 And we've got Joseph on the line from St Albans. Joseph, what do you make of all this? I've got no problem with a man sticking his penis up another man's butt. I honestly don't. I do have a problem with a man telling a child to stick his penis up another man's butt. Uh, 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 Joseph, Joseph, calm oh, down. God, calm down. You've just made the most of... Well, Joseph, what you're saying here is, um, you know, really quite um, 
quite quite controversial and offensive to it's a lot not. of people. What? What we're asking, Joseph, is you know, if we, we, we have to agree on where to start, and uh, I'm saying... I think we do, and it's 16. And what happens if you're, say, a 12-year-old, and you are faced with a sexual situation, you have no idea what's going on? You laugh! Because you're innocent, you don't know what's going on, you laugh! When you're 12 years old and you see a wheelie or a bomb hole or something, you laugh! And Okay, so you, you laugh. Surely that, that laughter, it comes from a, a, a kind of fear, a kind of not knowing. Are you saying you want to live in a world in which a six-year-old doesn't find looking at a grown man's penis awkward? You know what? Uh, actually, uh, Joseph, uh, as funny as it sounds, I, 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 uh, I actually would like to live in a world where a child could look at a fully grown man's penis without it being awkward. I think we're going mad. I honestly think we're going mad. I cannot believe you've just said what you've said. Well, look, I, I grew up looking at a lot of penises. Uh, my dad uh, owned the local swimming pool, and I was deeply confused and um, often quite traumatised by some of the things I'd seen. And I wish somebody had sat me down and said, you know what? This penis is circumcised. This is a grower. This is a shower. These are the testicles. And this stuff that comes out of the penis is jism. Anyway, I want to move on now. Join us after the break where we'll be talking about Labour's new policy of banning private schools. What do you think? Should we ban them? Where are all these children going to go? Give us a call after the break. 08345 6060 You're listening to Massive Debate UK with Eric Swineblade. This week, Labour's put forward a official policy banning all private schools. Private schools, should they be banned or should we leave them be? We've got Aaron on the line. Aaron, you're all for this ban and uh, I believe you're uh, canvassing and protesting against private schools on a regular basis. Is that well, right? Um, yeah, I've actually, um, I'm calling in and uh, I have been canvassing with Momentum. Uh, this private school system is creating a divided society where a proportion of very privileged people like Boris Johnson, like Jacob Rees-Mogg, have access to superior education, and by the time they're in year nine, they are three years ahead of everybody else. So rather than having a meritocratic system where we encourage excellence through competition, you just want to bring everybody down to your level and have a completely mediocre system. Well, no, I'm not saying everything has to be mediocre. I'm just saying everything has to be equal. And like, I just think you completely miss my words, quite frankly. Right. Well, can we just go into the practical elements of how you would actually go about taking away private schools if there was, say, you know, resistance to that idea? Well, th this is a, it's a simple fact that, you know, sometimes in order for revolution to occur, uh, you know, violence is necessary. It's, um, wow. you know, violence occurs when wow, talking wait. is over. And if these people are not prepared to give up their greed, then we are no. coming for you. That's why we're here. It seems to me like you're suggesting the use of violence well, no, here, which we're, is we're completely that. unjustified. No, listen to me. Listen to me. You've called into my show. No, listen. No, you can't speak, actually. It's my show. If you're not going to listen, then I'm simply going to hang up. Right, we're not going to have that kind of conversation on this show. God help us all. <sighs> Honestly. Okay. We've got uh, Harry on the line from Didcot Parkway. Harry. She should have died hereafter. There was time for such a word. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. 
out, out, brief candle. Life is but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. What a state school have taught me that. Well, Harry, thanks so much for your call, but I think we've got a dog in the background there, so I'm just going to move the topic forward now and talk about the NHS becoming means-tested. Is this the wrong way to go? Should you pay what you can afford or should it be free at the point of use for all, no matter how much you earn? Join us after the break. You're listening to Massive Debate UK with Eric Swineblade. Should the NHS be means tested? I personally think this would be a perfect balance to help fund the NHS, give people the care they need, while at the same time keeping it equal and making sure people only pay what they can afford. And we've got to Gabby on the line from Windsor. Gabby, have you have you experienced the NHS? Have you been on the receiving yeah, end of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, quite recently, um, mm. I was involved with, in a drunk driving incident. I'm very I, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I got hit by his car. Oh, um but you know, um, I've only I've, I've sort of lost the the, mm. the feeling in um, oh no one side. Oh, Gabby, I'm so I'm so sorry to hear and, this. And um, you know, I'm fine. I, my dog that I was walking, um, he's been with me for about fifteen years. And, and um, please tell me the dog was okay. Uh, well, no, he did he did die. Oh dear, Gabby, I'm so so sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah. And 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 when you went to the hospital to receive the treatment. Were you seen straight away, or...? Um, I got to the hospital, and um, I I had said goodbye to my husband that morning, and he'd gone to work, and just complete coincidence, I, I was running, and um, my husband was... Well, he was just kissing goodbye to um, one of the nurses. No. Um, and it turns out my husband... Um, your husband was having an affair, having an affair with a nurse. Oh dear. Well, Gabby, this really is completely heartbreaking. I've, I've, um, I am devastated. And then it was. I know you're not allowed phones in the hospital, so no. I do apologise for that. But I got a call from my mum. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, no. My dad had passed away um, on his lunchtime. Gabby, nap. Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. I, I really am. I, I, obviously, you you know this system intimately well, better than anybody. I had to wait, on top of that, four and a half hours to be seen. So something has to change at the NHS. I am gobsmacked. I mean, this is exactly why I'm I'm saying we need to have a system whereby, you know, if you had the money, then you could have been seen you know straight away or if you know if other people have been paying to see it they wouldn't you wouldn't have had to wait that long in that situation so given what you've gone well, through it just really that just really put a downer on my day gabby i I'm, I'm surprised you've even called it's um, it's incredible to hear your courage and hear your story and how do we heal our broken nhs keep those calls coming in 0834566333 we've got teddy on the line from essex hi teddy hi can you hear me listening to your show and um, I thought I'd just ring in um, I am feeling foggy foggy yeah um, people talk about how wonderful the NHS is and all that sort of thing and mm. I had an operation um, on just a small operation on my knee um, right four weeks ago now and um, they, 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 they provided me with some medication for the pain afterwards and morphine yeah yeah mm. I do you know it's very dangerous and I don't want to get into to anything like that so sort of got into making what I thought would be a less impactful kind of drug on me to wean me off. Right. But, um, and what was this other medication you've moved well, on to? 
Exactly. Rat poison. Rat poison? I, I made an error of judgement. Well, that, that, that's more than an er- error of judgement, Teddy. That's potentially life-threatening. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah, look, we're going to get some uh, somebody uh, to help you out there because that does sound um, sounds like quite quite a precarious situation and we do care for our listeners here. So I'll be sure to uh, have somebody give you a call. But honestly, do not eat rat poison if you can avoid it. And joining you after the break will be Sheila Baggerty with her take on the day's events for the lunchtime show. Take care and I'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. You've been listening to the Massive Debate UK, improvised and performed by Thomas Gray and Daniel Barker, with special guest Natasha Dimitru.